The following recording is a presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome you to visit our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. And welcome to our service of Berean Baptist Church. Take your Bibles to John chapter 9. And I'm, I'm getting away from the names of Christ for one, this one time. I prepared this message many, many, many months ago and, uh, I didn't want even a box collecting dust, so I need to, I need to, I need to get, get going with it. So we'll go to John chapter 9. If you don't mind when you, when you get there, please stand. John chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am, I am the light of the world. When he, has, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go washed in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Let us pray. My Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for this privilege once again to stand here and preach your word. Lord, we pray for our pastor and his wife. We know that they're going through a lot nowadays, and we pray that we'll, we'll be ready to step in if they need us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for Donna Miller, and I know that it's not a sacrifice to, for her to come all the way over here to take care of them, but we thank you, Lord, that she is willing to do that, and she has the time to do it. Pray for every member in this church, Lord, and those who take part in making sure that your work continues to go on. Pray for our missionaries overseas and those who work diligently every day, Lord, to make sure that souls are being saved. Pray that you will give me the wisdom and the boldness that I need to preach this sermon, and we ask on this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. There are five incidents in the Bible, in the Gospels, where Jesus healed blind men. One is the one we're looking at today, nine, uh, chapter, John chapter 9, 1 through 7, Matthew 9, 27, Matthew 12, 22, Mark 8, 22, and Mark 10, 46. If you are familiar with your Bible, you know that Jesus healed this man as he was going out of the temple in John chapter 8. And the Bible tells us that as he was teaching the people, the Pharisees and the scribe brought a woman whom they claimed was caught in the very act in adultery. In that incident, Jesus put them to shame because instead of judging the woman, he bent down 
and he wrote on the ground with his finger, the Bible tells us. This wouldn't be the first time that the Lord wrote with his finger. You know, you read the Ten Commandments in Exodus 31, verse 18. We read, And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communion with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. When the Lord said that, because he did tell him, you know, he who is without sin can go ahead and cast a stone at her, at the woman. When the Lord said that, they knew they were in trouble because according to the law, when a, a, a man and a woman had been caught in adultery, they both had to be put to death. In this case, there was no man. They had only brought the woman. That's in Leviticus 20, verse 10. And so one by one, they all left, beginning with the oldest down to the youngest, indicating that they were lying and trying to set a trap for the Lord, and this one blew up in their faces. Deuteronomy 17 and verse 7 reads, The hands of the witnesses should be first upon him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people, so that should put the evil away from among you. Under the law, if you were a witness of a crime, not only you were testifying against a person who had committed a crime that was worthy of death, but you as a witness had to participate in the process of putting that person to death. You know, it would be great if we had that system nowadays. Jesus was left alone with the woman, and he couldn't condemn her either, because according to the law, in order to put someone to death, you needed witnesses, minimum of three witnesses. And since there were, there were no witnesses to testify against her, she was free to go. So the scribes and Pharisees, even though they were, they were supposed to be experts in the law, they were unable to deal with the wisdom of the Lord. And their anger and frustration was only building up to the point that in John chapter 8 and verse 59, they were ready to stone him to death. Now remember that these people that were arguing and always in opposition to the Lord, these were the religious leaders of that time. These were not the run-in-the-mill everyday people. They were, these were the, the people that the average man will look up to for wisdom, and they were lost. And that's precisely the condition of every person without Christ. You are helpless, lost, blind, unable to see and understand spiritual truth. Ephesians 4 and verse 18 reads, Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Unsaved individuals, even though they may be intellectual and able to comprehend and solve complex problems, they, are, they don't have what it takes to read and discern spiritual matters. And this is why we should never be intimidated or afraid to witness to anyone that we run into because when it comes to talking about the destiny of the eternal soul of a person, earthly possessions and high IQ has nothing to do with it. You know, the, the power of the gospel will bypass all those things and go straight to the heart. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but 
every time I get on an airplane, I marvel at these big things, you know. You ever wonder how it is that people who work on these amazing machines, most of them, not all of them, but most of them are lost people? You know, they curse all the way through. Every time I get on, the airplane, on an airplane, I, before I get in, I slap it on the side and I say a quick prayer. I say, Lord, keep this piece of junk in the air until we get, go, until we get where we're going. I hate flying. I really don't like to fly. But anyhow, you know, making an airplane that weighs a million plus pounds that can get off the ground and fly so smoothly through the air that you can put a cup of water on a little folding table without spilling a drop. Building something like that requires a lot of brains. And yet the people who build these things, most of them are lost. Yet on the other hand, you got people that are considered average people that can understand the Bible and discern spiritual matters. You know, you ask yourself, what's the difference between these two groups? One group has a spiritual sight, and the other one is completely blind. One of the amazing things that you will discover is when you get saved, that you will never be able to see the world the same way again. You just won't be able to. If you want to try this, try it out. You know, give a Bible to someone who is unsaved, someone that you know, and tell them to read it and get back to you in a few days. And when they do, ask them, how are you doing reading your Bible? You know that answer never changes. I have done that many, many times. And then the answer is always, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. Do you wonder Why? They don't have the capacity. Even smart people, highly educated people, it's not that it has nothing to do with being smart or highly educated. They just don't have the spiritual sight to understand these things. In John chapter 3, you read about Nicodemus. Here's an individual who is one of the rulers of the Jewish religion. And when Jesus told him about the necessity of being born again, he had no clue what the Lord was talking about. Thankfully, he came around because you find him in, in John chapter 19 and verse 38 and 39 with Joseph of Arimathea preparing the body of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, we read, But the natural man, a natural person is someone who is lost and doesn't know the Lord, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. In a way that is probably impossible to explain, to understand even basic things about the Bible, is a supernatural thing. This is an ability that no one can give you. Only God can provide that for you. And the more you read the Bible, the more you study, the more time you spend on it, the Holy Spirit will, will give you more and more. And so if the Bible makes you sleepy when you're reading it, or you find it to be a dry book, you're probably not spending enough time on it. But if you enjoy it, if you like it, you love it, praise the Lord because he has given you spiritual sight. So anyhow, that's my introduction, so let me get to the sermon now. So we'll go to point number one. What is the cure for a spiritual blindness? In this case, although our Lord is dealing with a case of physical blindness, this man was born blind. 
So we have a case of a physical blind man here. But the method that the Lord used to cure this man was not the normal practice of a medical doctor. But if you think about this, there is a spiritual application because the condition of every unsaved person is they find the word of God irritating. They don't like to hear it. Our Lord was always compassionate towards sinners, and he never rejected anyone who came to him in humility asking for asking questions and looking for an answer for eternal life. But he was very harsh, extremely harsh to the self-righteous Pharisees. Having someone put dirt in your eyes is irritating, but that's what the Lord did. The Lord made mud, he said, and put that in his eyes. And the, the interesting thing is that the man didn't protest. You know how irritating it would be to have someone put dirt in your eyes? It's in, it would be insulting to have someone take you to a doctor and he will spit on the ground and make mud and put that in your eyes. But that's what the Lord did. The word of God makes people uncomfortable and irritated. Try it out. If you ever see a group of people talking trash, just walk up to them and say, Hey guys, you know that the Bible says that for every word that comes out of your mouth, you will give an account on the day of judgment. You know, from that day on, if, this, if these people know you, some will respect you and it will control their tongue when they see you out of respect. And some will come to you when they have a problem asking you to pray for them. Some will hate you and they will run their mouth without restraint. Your very presence will irritate them. There was a preacher named um, Marvin Fieldhouse, um, a missionary to China, and he said that it is the responsibility of every Christian in every dispensation to find out what is the spirit of the times in which you are living. And when you find it, go completely against it. You know? Do you know the spirit of the times in which we're living in right now? You know this world is going to hell in a headbasket. And there's nothing we can do about it to stop it. You know, people are wicked. They're on your face day in and day out, on TV, social media, everywhere. And they don't feel any shame. The people of this generation are very wise to do evil. And they don't know how to do anything good, something that pleases the Lord. And if you're a young Christian or a young person, if you're not truly grounded in the things of God in your faith with the Lord, they will eat you alive. As a Christian, your attitude toward this world makes unsaved people irritated, especially if you are vocal about your love for the Lord. If you care about your family members, your friends, your co-workers, if you're always witnessing or quoting the Bible, they will hate you. 
your very presence will be, will be irritating to them. But if you care about the souls of people, you can't help it. That's what you will do. If you take the time to witness, you can expect that. Specks of dirt irritate the eyes, just like the, the truth of God's word irritates the soul of people. Blind people, spiritually blind people in this case. Preaching the truth of God's word penetrates the soul of lost people. And it's not unusual to see unsaved people come to a service in this church and see them get up in the middle of the service and walk out angry. Because in the preaching, their sins were exposed, and without even trying, whoever is preaching manages to step on their tails, and they don't like it. In Acts chapter 2, you read about that great sermon that Peter preached when about 3,000 souls were saved and added to the church. We read in Acts 2.37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You know, would that be nice when you try to witness to someone and they ask you, What should I do? You know? Right there and then you can lead them to the Lord, but that's not usually the case. These people were pricked to their heart. We read that this man, the Lord cured this man by his power. He didn't give him glasses. He didn't tell him to go see an eye doctor. He didn't give him a prescription. He didn't tell him to go get a guide dog. He just simply cured him. Religion tries to give men a substitute for salvation and there's nothing there the only cure for your spiritual blindness is the Lord Jesus Christ point number two the cure was noticed by others you know true conversion will be noticeable by those people who know you there will be changes major changes in the life of a person who claims to be a Christian from the moment he or she confesses that he or she is a Christian. It's impossible to live like the devil if you are a child of God. True converts do change. This new way of life will bring disagreements among family members. And it's always on the part of those who don't believe that the disagreement sometimes can get heated. You know, people, people don't like to talk about these things. The new convert is excited about the new life that he has found in Christ, and the people who know that person will find, way, find ways to criticize you. And that's exactly what happened here. In John chapter 9, from, from verse 12 to 34, the Pharisees made it clear that anyone who confessed Christ would be ex, will be excommunicated. That would mean that he will lost he will lose family members and friends. And this is sad because only a person who has been delivered from spiritual blindness can explain what it's like to know God and to be free from the penalty of sin. Deliverance from spiritual blindness creates divisions in the family, among your friends, your co-workers, wherever you go, you will find opposition. And Satan knows that nothing hurts more than to have your own family turn on you because you are a Christian. This is one of the reasons why many people can never break away from their families because of fear. They don't want to be rejected. 
But it is important that we tell you the truth and let you know that becoming a Christian comes with a price. When you turn your back on the world and follow Christ, the devil will take notice. And if you never had enemies before, now you do. Notice how the parents of this man whose sight had been restored were afraid to speak up and tell how their son was cured. In verses 19 through 23, we read, and they, asked him, and they asked him, saying, Is this your son who ye say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not, nor who had opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. This thing, these words spake his parents because they were, because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, said his parents, he is of age, ask him. For a Jew, getting kicked out of the synagogue was a big deal. It's not like your average church member now that they behave like the devil and we kick them out. It's no big deal. They just go to another church and never go back to church. Back in those days, it wasn't like that. The Pharisees never gave our Lord credit for, for the many miracles that he had performed. In this case, a man had been born blind and he was made whole by the Lord. And they were upset because the Lord did this miracle on the Sabbath day. The man whose sight had been restored knew that they were going to kick him out of the synagogue. And he had a little fun because he knew what was coming. So he had a little fun preaching to them. And that sent them over the cliff. He begins in verse 30 where he said, the, the, verse, verse 30, The man answered and said unto them, Why, here is a marvelous thing that ye know not whence he is, and yet he had opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. By this time, the Pharisees were fuming because in the previous chapter, in chapter 8 and verse 44, the Lord had put them to shame for being ignorant of not knowing the scriptures and told them that they were of their father, the devil. That would be insulting. And now they have an average man sticking his finger on their faces. And he tells them, now we know that God heareth no sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. That would imply that they were not only ignorant of spiritual wisdom, but also wicked sinners, and God wouldn't hear their prayers. And to top it off, he tells them that since the world began, no one had, op- had been able to open the eyes of one person who was born blind. Because they were spiritually blind, they were unable to see the great miracle that had just taken place. 
Instead, they attacked the Lord by saying that he was not of God and calling him a sinner. It is clear that the man, in this case, didn't know much about the Lord. But he used the the limited knowledge that he had and put the Pharisees to shame. So even if you are a new Christian, by just being saved, doesn't know a whole lot, with the limited knowledge that you have, you can tell others how you got saved. And that would be enough. You know, you can explain the great doctrines of the faith later, but for now, if that's all you know, that's all you can share. So, not, not many of us practice what we know. Most of us keep it to ourselves. But I tell you, when a Jehovah Witnesses or a Mormon stops you on the street, it's not okay not to be able to defend yourself. So always good to know a few things, to have a few verses memorized in your head so you can throw them at them and defend yourself. John nine twenty four and 25, then, then again they called the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. This is a picture of a true conversion. A person who is delivered from spiritual blindness will usually show great appreciation for the spiritual sight that he has received. And some people will spend their whole life praising God and looking for ways to serve. In verse 34, the man was kicked out. And in verse 35, Jesus went out and found him and gave him eternal life. When you, res- when you give up your religion, really you haven't lost anything. When Saul the Pharisee, that would be Paul, lost his religion, he found salvation, and he became Paul the Apostle and went on to write half of the New, New Testament. You know, of all the people that the Lord used, no one received more revelation than Paul. And without question, he was a very smart man, very intellectual. But when he got saved and follow Christ, you come to Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, and he gives you all his accomplishments. And he talks about all the different things that he had done as a Pharisee, as a Jew. And then he said that he considered everything, and all his accomplishments, and he compared all of it to one big pile of dung. <laughs> How about that, you know? in order that he would know and he will obtain the excellency of knowing Jesus Christ. It is normal for a person who has been delivered from spiritual blindness to want to talk about the new life that he has found. We read in, in, in verse, I mean in John nineteen thirty-eight that Joseph of Arimathea was a secret disciple of Jesus Christ because he was afraid. He was what I would call it an undercover Christian. You know? 
I'm learning more and more as I go about my business that we have a lot of undercover Christians around us, people who don't open their mouth because they are afraid. I know what, what, what put so much fear in people that they, they don't speak up. You know, they, they're afraid. I don't know how you spend five minutes with a stranger and not be able to open your mouth for the Lord with somebody who you don't know. But that happens. Some people are afraid to talk about the Lord because they are afraid of being rejected. Others are afraid because they fear their family. They don't want to know what their family will say. Others, they just simply don't want to be fools. They think that it's foolishness to speak to people about the Lord. But really, you know, how many times have you made a fool of yourself? trying to impress somebody, or just simply pleasing the devil. I decided long ago that it's a good idea to be a fool for Christ, because that will last forever. The man in our story was unable to keep his mouth shut after he got saved, because he had truly received a spiritual sight. This is with his limited knowledge of who he, he thought he, he had opened his eyes he took on the heavy weights. The leaders of that time, he took them on and put them to shame. To shame. And he had fun doing it. It's fun to do that, you know. I don't know if you ever tried it, but it's, it's really fun. And he says something profound in 930, verse 930, chapter 932. He said, since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one who was born blind? You know, that's an amazing statement. It should cause them to, to scratch their heads and think a little bit, you know. No one can open the eyes of a blind person. Someone who's been born blind, no one can do that. And the Lord had done it, and they wouldn't give him credit for it. But when you're blind, you can't even see the obvious. You know, you think about how many people bow their knee to a dead statue of, a stone, of stone or wood. You know, people do it. Millions do it every day. How many people worship an animal? I watched a documentary a while ago how people worship animals in India. They got hundreds and thousands of religions in India. They worship anything from rats to snakes to monkeys, cows, you name it. You ever heard the expression, holy cow? It comes from India. They worship cows. They don't eat them. All these people are lost, spiritually blind, on their way to hell, and they don't know. And unless somebody goes over there and tells them about the Lord, they will die and go to hell. As Christians, we have a great responsibility, and that is to evangelize this world. And that is not a small job, but if every Christian would do his or her part, we could make a difference. But we're not. God saved us so we can influence the world, so we can influence the lost, those who, know, who don't know Christ and have godly influence, people who work alongside lost people, usually behave better, not because they like you, but because they respect 
your Christianity. And, and if you constantly quote in the Bible, it's like, you know, get in order to face it. That's not okay. You don't please nobody by doing that, especially the Lord. You will answer for what you're saying. When you're constantly doing that kind of thing, maybe they don't like you, but they respect you because they know that you're telling them the truth. In the back of their heads, they know that a day is coming when they will have to answer to the Lord, and they know that. And when you're always consistent with what you believe and you preach it, some will behave. Others, like I said, they will hate you. But unsaved people who have no godly influence do crazy things. Unsaved people will tell you to your face that they don't care about your Christianity. But if you do or say something that is inconsistent with what you're preaching, they'll be the first ones to stick their finger on your face and tell you, and you claim to be a Christian. You know? If God has cured you from your spiritual blindness, don't be afraid to let the world know, not only in words, but in the way you live your life. Psalm 107 and verse 2 reads, reads, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You know, Satan is the enemy of your soul. And every person who dies without Christ is lost forever. You'll never see that person again. I don't know how many of us consider that. Every person, even our family members, if they die without Christ, we will never see them again. That's sad. If you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, the least you can do is say so. In the Sermon on the Mountain, in, in Matthew 5, verse 13 to 14, Jesus said that those who follow him are the salt and the light of the world. You know, salt is a preserver. It doesn't cure anything. But it will slow down the process of decomposition. It is true that not every person who hears the gospel of Christ will be saved. We know that. But heathens who work alongside Christians behave better than those who have no godly influence. I know that because I work alongside hundreds of them. The world is a dark and hopeless place. We, the Christians, are supposed to be the light of this world. Because like I said, people who don't know Christ or have no godly influence, they do crazy things. They exchange that which is good for that which is evil. They call light darkness and darkness light. You know, they have the whole thing upside down. So if you have never considered these things, if you're sitting here today or whoever you are, wherever you're listening, if you don't know the Lord, you need to keep in mind that a day is coming when God himself is going to settle all accounts. And if you not receive Christ as your Savior, today could be that day. So I invite you today, if you don't know Christ, if you're sitting here today, receive him today. You can be a child of God and begin a new life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, once again for you people, for those who have come to listen to the preaching of your word. Pray for those that are sick, away, that are unable to attend. Pray for everybody that takes part in making sure that your work keeps going on. 
We continue to pray for our pastor and Pam. Pray that you will bring him back to full health, full recovery. And we will pray for and hope for a miracle on Pam, Lord. We ask you to continue to bless this church and those who take part in doing what we do. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Roner Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Roner Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us online at www.bebaptist.org.